Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan. I hope that you are doing amazingly well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. We are continuing our conversation that we started last week on getting on the same page. This is part two. So if you have not already listened to part one, I am going to highly recommend you press pause right now, scroll back and listen to that podcast episode. In that conversation, we really talk about the mindset and the foundation that you need to establish in your own brain to actually be able to implement and carry out the things that I'm going to be recommending in this conversation here. So I don't want you to miss that because so much of this work and so much of what helps you effectively use the tools is having the right perspective. And so if you've listened to part one and there's any part of that that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't represent your reality, that doesn't represent something that's even remotely what you have in your marriage or within the realm of possibility, then what I'm going to say here is not going to really be that effective. And I like to be very careful and responsible with the advice and the coaching that I give. And I think for some people, they will hear my message, hear the things that I offer and misapply it to circumstances and situations where it's just not the best fit. So that includes any type of relationship where there is abuse and any type of relationship that you would define as toxic. The majority of the couples that I work with and everyone that I'm intentionally speaking to is in a relationship that is frustrating, disappointing, but not toxic. And I think, you know, it's important for me to say that because I don't want anyone to hear what I have to say and spend years and decades trying to fit this square peg in a round hole. And so when it comes to getting on the same page in your marriage, it assumes that we have two reasonable people who love each other, who want to find solutions, who have the capacity to be open-minded even if they struggle with it from time to time. It can even apply to situations where you're just super frustrated with each other or you feel like your partner is just so stubborn but not abuse. And I've gotten emails over the years of people messaging me saying like, you should really qualify that this isn't for an abusive situation. And there are times when I take a minute to address it and there are times when I don't. But 
the reason for that when I don't address it is because as a coach and as someone who provides a lot of content, I can never control who presses play. And I can't speak to every situation. I can only speak to the situations that directly relate to where my expertise is. And so if you are a podcast listener or an email subscriber, and you know that you are in a situation that is abusive, that is toxic, that is destructive, my best advice to you is to deal with that. That trying to get on the same page in some scenarios is just a no-go. It's just not going to happen because you're dealing with a partner who is unable or unwilling to listen to reasonable guidance and advice. So now that I've said that, As we dive into this conversation today, and I want to be clear about what kinds of topics this advice that I'm going to share today can really be helpful for. One is parenting issues. I think a lot of times couples come to parenting obviously having had the experience that they have in their own life. And depending on how they were parented, they either love it and want to replicate it or they hate it and want to do the exact opposite. I think this conversation today is really helpful when you have money issues that you want to talk about where maybe one person is a spender, another person is a saver. And so you're not often on the same page about how your money is being used and what are the financial priorities. I think this is a conversation that works really well when you're dealing with like differences in work-life balance, where perhaps one of you is really focused on career development and growth and promotions and all the things professionally, and you're not on the same page about the amount of time, energy, and focus your family gets. So we're talking about sort of what I would consider the everyday common challenges that the average couple is dealing with, average meaning You know, they're not in a really, really challenging situation, Um, but they're just going through some growing pains. They're going through those bumps in the roads. They're going through those times where not being on the same page is causing them a lot of stress, strain, heartache, even questioning the future or the potential success of their relationship. So if that is you, Keep listening because we are going to be talking about a five-step process that I take my clients through to help them get on the same page. And inside my coaching programs, I teach what is called the team project protocol, where you literally can take any issue that you are struggling with work it through this protocol and come out with a set of next steps, a better understanding of each other, a better appreciation of each other, 
to really help you move yourselves forward together in the same direction as a couple, as a team. And so today I'm going to be lifting bits and pieces of that team protocol, um, team project protocol for you and sharing just a few um, of the steps and a few sort of like insights into what to do that I think will really be valuable for you. And of course, if you hear this and you're like, oh my gosh, this makes a lot of sense. And also we could use some more hand-holding, some more week-by-week support in navigating some of these things, then I highly, highly recommend and invite you to consider becoming a client of mine, which you can find all about on my website, drshavon.com. There are lots of different ways that you can currently work with me. So let's dive in to this process. I think when it comes to getting on the same page from a tactical standpoint of like things you are doing, right? So part one was things you're thinking. Part two is what you're doing. (laughs) So the first step is you have to understand why you are not on the same page in the first place. So I want you to think about that. Whatever issue or topic, why are you not on the same page? And I want to distinguish between times when you're not on the same page because there is literally no solution or there is no middle ground versus times when you're not on the same page because one or both of you is so locked into your position that you can't find a solution together. And here's what I have to say about that, that if there's really no compromise where it's literally like black or white, you either go or you don't, which even as I say that, I'm like, oh, my brain, because I like like to think very creatively. I don't even believe that. But let's say you and your partner do, right? If there's really no compromise where it's literally a black and white decision, what I sometimes recommend is that you try it one way first and then another way later, right? So let's say you're looking to make an investment and let's say, you know, it's either you do it or you don't. You could decide we're going to make this investment and in the meantime, we are going to also find a way to generate more income to recoup the money that we're making in this investment while this investment grows. Just for an example, right? Or when it comes to the holidays, right? I know we're entering this holiday season. So some of you or a lot of you are making decisions about what you do and how you spend your holidays or how you travel for the holidays or what that looks like. You could say, for Thanksgiving, we're going to do it this way and see how it goes. And then for Christmas, we're going to do it a different way, right? So all of that to just say that if there's literally just one decision or another where there's no middle ground, you want to try it one way, evaluate, and then try another way. And I talk a little bit about that as the last step. But the first step here that I want to hone in on is understanding why you are not 
on the same page. And I truly believe from coaching so many couples and from having so many conversations that there usually is a reasonable solution. There usually is. It's just that one or both of you is sort of blocked from seeing alternatives to what you are suggesting. It is like almost baffling to me sometimes when I'm coaching a couple and they're so like mired in their own way and their own, you know, thought process that I'm like, wait a minute, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And they're just like, oh my gosh, we never thought about it that way. Well, of course, because sometimes you're so emotionally attached to your perspective that you can't think creatively about other ways of solving the problem, okay? So I also want to help you see that when you can understand why you are not on the same page, what that also offers you is the opportunity to see if there are just some fundamental differences in values and priorities that maybe don't require that you get on the same page, but that require that you just respect that you have different values and you have different priorities. And then the work becomes, how do you create space for you to agree to disagree? And how can both of you make the situation as easy as possible for you, right? I have this happen a lot when it comes to work-life balance issues where some of my clients have partners that, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's the structure of their job or the nature of their job or the timing of their job right now, where they maybe can't prioritize spending time with the family as much as the other partner would like. And so the work then is not necessarily to like, make each other prioritize things in the exact same way, the work then becomes, okay, we are radically accepting that we are on different sides of the table on the situation. And so instead of spending a lot of energy being in conflict and arguing and trying to convince the other person, we're just going to figure out how can we make it easier, even in our disagreement, even in us not necessarily being on the same page. So that's step number one. Understand why you are not on the same page. Is it because there's really no solution or is it because one or both of you is so attached to your specific way that you can't even see another way out? Step number two is to identify the ultimate goal and suspend the how for now. I know that rhymes. That was fun for me (laughs) to write it that way. But what does this really mean? It means to keep the main thing the main thing and to give up your very specific ideas for how it has to happen, right? So... I'm actually working with one of my clients right now on holiday travel, and there is some resistance and discomfort between spending the holidays with, you know, a particular side of the family. And it's sort of like, for them, it seems like a very black and white scenario. But again, because I'm not emotionally invested in exactly how it has to happen, my brain 
goes to how do we just create a win-win for both people here? And this is something I've grappled with in my own life and marriage as my husband works a job where he doesn't get holidays off, where sometimes we celebrate Thanksgiving on not actually Thanksgiving Day, or sometimes we make adjustments for how we do holidays to accommodate him to be a part of it. And sometimes we make other decisions where he doesn't participate in it. And those are hard decisions and they're disappointing and they come with their own set of emotions. But I think sometimes we have to think about what is the ultimate goal here? Is the ultimate goal here to spend time together, celebrating the spirit of the season? Or is the ultimate goal that we are here at this address for these number of hours together in this specific way. And that's hard. I know that that's hard to hear, especially when it comes to the holiday season. But I will say that when you can just zoom out and step back and ask yourself, what is the ultimate goal here? What are we actually looking for? What do we actually want? What is the feeling that we want? Because let me tell you, any tangible thing you want in your life, any experience you want to create is the result of how you want to feel. Your feelings drive everything. Even for those of you who are very disconnected or try to be detached from your feelings, your feelings drive everything. So what is the feeling you are wanting? What is the experience that you want to have? Not what it looks like, not the specific how, but what is it that you're after? I want to feel like this. I want to, you know, have this experience. Because when you can detach from the specific how and the specific method and the specific timeline and the specific like steps and rules and protocols, then you really do open your mind and you open your eyes to create a lot of different options for yourself. Number three, after you've done number two, that's why they're in order, is to brainstorm all the ways you can get there. Literally, wipe the slate clean. Imagine that you have a hundred different possibilities for how to solve this issue or how to come to an agreement. What are all the different options? Even if some of them sound completely ridiculous and totally ludicrous, they are still options. And you want to give them credit. You want to at least put them down on paper. I remember when I was working in designing curriculum in the work that I did uh, before becoming a coach and having my own business, we would always write in our manuals, during brainstorming, all ideas are accepted without judgment. I can't tell you how many times I wrote that when designing a training manual or curriculum or something. So what if you just brainstorm from the perspective of all ideas are accepted without judgment? What if you came up with like the craziest, most ludicrous in your mind, because it's probably not ludicrous, ideas? I remember when my husband and I were getting married and I had started like a side business as a wedding planner a few years before. So I 
basically had the wedding already planned out in my head. And, you know, I was like, oh, what about this idea? And he'd be like, no. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And he would challenge me because I am definitely the creative powerhouse of things to be creative. And I didn't like it at first, but I have to say that stretching my brain and again, remembering the ultimate goal and being willing to brainstorm outside of the box ideas really helped me to actually come up with even more creative options that I ultimately liked better. Okay, so step three is to brainstorm all the ways that you could get there. And there's two different structures that I recommend you try for this, depending on how these conversations go. One is you can just brainstorm it together and just create an exhaustive list together. Another is to have one person share all their ideas one day and then another day come back to it and the other person share all their ideas and then have a third conversation, which is point number four, which I'll get to in a second. But I just want to offer you the option to break it up, that sometimes things are so heavy or you both have so many perspectives, excuse me, you both have so many perspectives that sometimes just giving one person the mic per conversation can help you both be more in a position to actually hear and listen to each other and make more progress. So then step four is finding the merits of those ideas that are not yours. So many times when we hear what our partner is saying or when they offer a suggestion, if it's not what we were thinking or not what we think is right, we want to knock it down immediately. And it's so important that you find the merits of it. You find what's valuable about it. You find where you agree and then vice versa. This isn't like a unidirectional thing. You want to both be looking at what could work about the other person's idea. How can you meld them together? Again, this is just the process of opening your brain and opening your mind to be able to come up with better solutions. Two minds are better than one a lot of the times. Like we hear that saying, not just as some crazy cliche, But really, when you've done this work, when you've done the work that I suggested in part one, and you come to this process, I guarantee you putting your two heads together with an open mind, with a desire to see the value and what this person that you love is bringing to the table and vice versa, you will come up with incredible options that can honestly blow your mind. And then step five is being willing to experiment. So many times we place so much weight on making decisions together and getting on the same page that we don't allow ourselves to be willing to fail. We don't allow ourselves to be willing to make a mistake, learn from that mistake, evaluate, and then pick ourselves up and head in a better direction. I think so many times people have a resistance to being in disagreement with each other. There's a resistance to being in conflict. There's a resistance to not being on the same page. And so whenever you're like holding on to, we've got to figure this out, we've got to get on the same page, we can't make the wrong move, 
it's going to make it harder to get on the same page. What if for some of your decisions, you approached it as if it was an experiment of if, you know what, neither one of us really knows, but this seems like the best way to go for now, and then we'll see. And we'll set some standards and maybe some boundaries and maybe some rules to be able to assess if we want to abort mission, for lack of a better word, if we want to pivot, even in the middle. But having the idea of like, we can try it out, let's try it out and see, really just opens you both up to hearing the other person, valuing what the other person is suggesting and being willing to be a team going down a path together and communicating effectively and talking through what's happening for you, even in going down that path to make sure that it still makes sense or that you want to pivot, right? So those steps, again, are understanding why you're not on the same page in the first place, identifying the ultimate goal and suspending the actual way it has to happen, brainstorming all of the different ways that you can get there to where you're trying to go, finding the merits of your partner's ideas and vice versa, and experimenting, being willing to try it one way, evaluating and adjusting. That is the process for getting on the same page. So if you heard this, and again, you were like, yes, this makes so much sense. If only we had some help getting there. I invite you to work with me through my private coaching program. We will take these steps. We will apply it. You will master them to be able to have any conversation, get on the same page, or move yourselves forward productively in a way that works for you both. And if you heard all this and you were like, there's no way in the world my partner would ever get on board with any of this, and you still want my help, and you want to learn how to operate in the best way possible, even when you're not on the same page, I also invite you to consider working with me in private coaching. Both, whether you're working as a couple or you're working as an individual, I would be delighted to support you in creating a better experience for yourself in your marriage. That's it for today. I'll be back with you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye for now.